What's up, everyone? This week on the show, we're bringing on a high-level basketball coach here out of the Treasure Valley who at a relatively young age has had a lot of success and he's now going to be taking over the brand new 5A high school in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, coaching at a very high level, coaching some high-level athletes as well. We're going to be talking about his coaching career, what he's learned. He's going to give some insights to the club scene what he thinks about club basketball and giving some tips and pointers for, for athletes as a whole, as well as coaches. You don't want to miss this episode of the game time guru. So what time is it? Game time. This is the game time guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. We are four and a half years running with the show want to give a massive shout out to all the listeners, the sponsors, anybody who has supported me from the very beginning. Um, this show has just continued to grow and grow and grow as people have you know, started listening to our guests and learning from our guests. And it's just been an awesome opportunity. I want to thank all the guests who have ever, ever been on the show in this four and a half years, the 91 different countries we've reached, 67,000 plus downloads of the show, and we continue to keep the momentum rolling. It's all because of those who have participated and supported the show from the very beginning. It just started out as a hobby for me back when I was still trying to graduate from Boise State as a 28-year-old guy, and uh, it's continued into something more and more than that. So it's very special to me. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who's you know been supporting it. And make sure you're subscribed to the show. If you have an if you have an iPhone or any Apple device, make sure to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the episode. Um, it helps the show's growth. Any review that comes through on the show helps the show get more exposure as it helps the algorithm on the podcast platform. So that is why we always say that if a guest comes on the show and you want that to get out to more people, leave a review on the podcast because it helps expand the reach. Now, this is a very special episode for me, guys, because in this show, you've heard me talk to many different people. I always tell people, you know, on the, on the Game Time Guru podcast, we talk to, you know, professional athletes, local athletes, coaches, everyone, anybody in the sports world. That's the whole point of the show. Delivering a panoramic view on sports is the basically the, the, the mantra of the podcast. And the thing is, today, we're learning from a local high school coach who has quite the experience, uh, a lot of, he has championship experience, a lot of coaching experience at a relatively young age, in, in my opinion, from the coaching side of things. And that is why I'm excited to bring him on. His name's Andy Harrington. He's going to be sharing his knowledge with us, his experience, what he's learned in coaching, and uh, what we can expect from him at the new high school, which we'll get into here in just a little bit this season. So Andy, thanks so much for joining the show, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shane. I've really enjoyed following your podcast for, I found it about a year and a half ago, um, but it's been awesome to see the different guys that you bring on the show and and listen to them and learn and just, just something to do when I'm working out or whatever. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for the support. Yeah. And now, now you're a guest here, which is super, super cool. So here's the funny thing about this, right? I, on in in the local scene here, like I, I compete in basketball still. I, I I'm I'm new to coaching now, but I've I've been competing. I've been following basketball, so I've known of Andy for 
you know, quite a while just because I knew how successful he was at coaching, which we'll get into. I didn't actually meet you in person until March when I was playing yeah. the Bam Jam tournament. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. Okay. And like, actually yeah. got to talk to you. And now it's just kind of cool. And now we finally get to, to have you on the show. It's just a, it's a blessing. I'm just grateful for the platform then for you to be, you know, willing to, to jump on here, but it's, it's just cool how it all comes full circle. Um, sure. So Andy, what I always want to do is I want to rewind the clock and okay. kind of see your background in sports, you know, because it, it, all it takes is a quick Google search for people to be able to kind of find out, you know, oh, what is, what, did he play and whatnot. Yeah. But I want to know more about like when you were younger, did you, did you always play sports growing up and were you, were you focused on one in particular or were you a multi-sport athlete? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, we grew up, my family grew up in Boise. Um, and we, uh, my dad was a junior high teacher and junior high basketball football coach like when we were at a very young age at North Junior High which is over in Boise um so growing up myself I was the oldest and then my younger brother who's a year younger than me and then my little sister who's about five years younger six years younger um we just grew up around sports our entire lives I mean our birthday birthdays would be spent at North Junior High's gymnasium just playing sports um and you know from a young age it was football basketball and baseball and it just depended on the time of the year, you know, obviously in the fall, you're playing football then winter uh, basketball. And then in the spring, you're, you hit baseball and the summer's pretty much everything. But um, I mean, we were, that's what our family did. I mean, we weren't like going skiing and snowboarding. It was all sports pretty much all the time. And my grandpa um, was a big piece of that too. I mean, he was, he came to every, everything. Like if we traveled out of town, he was there for um, you know, football, basketball, and baseball. And he played baseball at Santa Clara back in the day. So he's got a big, he played all three when he was growing up and so did my dad. So there's just been a big um, thing for our family. I mean, every Saturday, Notre Dame football, like we're watching it as a family. Um, you know, when we were growing up, going to Bishop Kelly, we ended up, I went to Bishop Kelly and graduated from there. But if it was a Tuesday night and they were playing on the road at Valley View, we were going to be there. Um, whether, no matter what the sport, it could have been baseball. And then obviously state basketball tournament, which was always my favorite time of the year. Um, you know, if they were playing at 115, which back then the 4A state tournament was at College of Idaho, my grandpa's getting us out of school early so we can go watch the Knights play in at College of Idaho versus Hillcrest and Century and all these schools. I still remember um, going to all those games. So. It's just been something that I knew I wanted to be involved with my entire life. Um, as I got progressively older, I played all three sports in high school, but basketball was becoming the sport that I was the best at. And um, I was fortunate enough to walk on at Idaho State for two years. And then when I got there and I, I started getting around the college game, I was like, man, I, I want to be a basketball coach. So um, from there, it just I, I ended up getting out of it and going to Idaho. And I was a student assistant or manager, whichever you want to call it there for a few years under Don Verland's staff. Um, but yeah, man, it's just been a big, it, the sports have been pretty much, I mean, everyone has their things in their family or their hobbies, but sports are ours for my family. So yeah, it's been the, the story of, of like your grandpa being involved with it too. That is super special to me. I didn't know that at, at all. This I'm learning yeah. the same time everybody else is. And so, um, hearing that just kind of like, it, it just brings a smile on my face. Cause it's like, it, it does, it, it's all, always been a part of your family. It's not just competing. It's actually like watching and enjoying it. Yeah. And that's how you spend time together. And 
and uh, you look forward to it. Didn't know you were a Notre Dame fan. Um, yeah, I'm, I know you're so an Ohio State guy. I'm, I'm a Buckeyes fan. I got yeah, I got Brutus right behind me. But I am actually yeah. like so here's the weird thing. I'm a massive Notre Dame fan too. So that's the funny mm. thing, football at least. So yeah. And that's just because of Rudy. So like, just because I'm a Buckeye, you know, faithful, doesn't mean I don't respect Notre Dame. Everybody on my Buckeyes <laughs> side of like Twitter and everything, they can't stand that I always defend Notre Dame when it comes to the college football playoffs. And I'm like, dude, they got yeah. the short end of the deal each time. Like they're actually, they should deserve to be there. And they always sure. get mad at me, but I, I didn't know you were a Notre Dame guy, but Rudy, what did you like the movie? Cause that's what actually yeah. made me a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> I, we like the movie. Uh, we're my, my family's Catholic. So like just growing up, it was just, I don't, it happened with my grandpa and then my, my dad and his brothers just became huge Notre Dame fans. And I mean, from there on out, like every Saturday, my dad would bring us to my grandpa's and my uncle's would bring their kids and we play in the yard. But like when I got to like fourth grade, it was, I was watching every Notre Dame game. Um, I mean, we went back and watched the Notre Dame game when they played, it was Brady Quinn's last home game. And they actually, I think played Ohio state maybe that year in the Fiesta bowl. But um, or that might've been the year before I can't remember, but um, I remember like that Friday night we pulled out the computer and we watched Bishop Kelly playing the state football championship versus Pocatello. But, you know, BK and, Notre Dame are both Catholic schools, go to church every Sunday type thing. So um, growing up, it was just a, a thing that we rallied around. And honestly, growing up for me, it wasn't the greatest because Notre Dame only had like two or three years where they were actually kind of good. Um, so it was tough, tough times for a long time, but they're kind of they're kind of figuring it out now again. So well, it's been you know fun. You don't have to explain anything to me in that regard. I, I'm a Cowboys fan too, so I, I I live to lose. My whole life has just been lost. So whatever. At least you've had some good experiences on the front and the back end of your life. Yeah. You had the Brady Quinn era. Now now you're getting some. Mm -hmm. You know they're they're rising a little bit more. Um, I think sure. that's so cool though. Uh, just being able to see the the cultural aspect in, in the family and you know mm -hmm. you did mention Andy. You you played multiple sports growing up. It's kind of depending on the season. It was seasonal and this yep. and that. Um, as you get older and you were playing through high school and stuff, and now as a coach. I'm curious your perspective, maybe it has it changed or anything in regards to multi multi-sport athletes. Do you think that it's beneficial for kids to play multiple sports or is there mm -hmm. like a certain age? Do you feel that they should actually like hone in on one, um, uh, before they actually get to college? Is there ever an age that you think sure. maybe this, yeah, maybe 14, 15 years old, that maybe just going into one sport to focus if you truly want to go play ball or what's your thoughts just overall on multi-sport athletes? Uh, it's tough. I mean, I think that playing multiple sports is really good. I think, you know, I think too. I think it's getting to the point where three is really tough, but if you can find two that you can play just to like, if you're literally doing basketball every day, I feel like you're working the same pieces of your body. Whereas like a football player or a baseball player or lacrosse or whatever, like you might be working different parts of your body that are training in a different way. And I think that that's beneficial, but I do think like, if you want to be really special at one, you have to really focus and hone in on it, which means working out in the mornings and, in the summer, all three are going, you got to pick the one that you want to be special at. Um, so, you know, during the school year, I think you can play probably two, in my opinion, where you can be successful. If you play, if you're playing all the time, like you're just going from sport to sport, you can't work on your jump shot consistently. You're too tired. Uh, you can't work on your ball handling, but your body needs a break too. So if you're playing football and you're taking a little time off and then, you know, you might be getting some shots up every few days just to stay fresh, but I think playing three sports is really tough if you want to be like a, a high level athlete down the road. I just, 
you you've got there's just so many kids that are spending all that time on it so i think two's the right number i think if you get to three it's really tough i the kids that do it from fourth grade on and they're literally just basketball 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 i feel like they burn out so i think it is a nice change of pace for kids to play multiple sports through just to give them a break because at some point you know we talked about it like a lot of these kids just go oh we'll play another game if you're only playing basketball from fourth grade on and you know you go through a weekend of five games well oh next weekend we get five more games you know and i just feel like there is a merit to being able to play multiple sports. Some of the kids that I have right now, like there's things that Jack Payne does on the basketball court that I can totally tell translated from either being a quarterback in football or playing baseball or being a goalie in soccer. We were like, man, like he just, he went high pointed that ball like a wide receiver would in football or an outfielder that I feel like some other kids don't necessarily do. They're kind of robotic. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, so I, there is some merit in playing multiple sports for sure. In my opinion, no, I could be wrong, but that's what I, that's how I feel at least. No, and I love the specific example for, from Jack Payne, who happens to be a, a player for, for your current squad now, which we'll get to mm-hmm. in a minute because yeah, some athletes wonder like, does it cross over? I think if it crosses over and you can, you know, implement certain skill sets into other sports, I think it's super beneficial. I just think there's yep. naturally, there's always going to be a. I don't know. There, it's a debate that goes on and on. I, I wonder if like there's more risk for injury depending on what it is, but I also think yeah. it could actually prevent injury because you're working different muscles, fast twitch muscle yeah. fibers, all sorts of things. Can You might be a more well-rounded athlete overall. Your body could be stronger. So there's a lot sure. of different things that go into it, but I love that. The whole two versus three sports concept um, is very, mm-hmm. very intriguing as well. Um, and I think, yeah, everyone's going to have a different opinion, but you've been being around different athletes and the specific example you gave is very intriguing. So I appreciate that. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I think about it myself and I'm, I don't know. I always wonder if I would have uh, kept playing football. I always wondered that I stopped in, in my sophomore yeah. year and I was always better at football and I was a basketball. I was built more for a football player. I was a tight end and I was wondering, you know, I kept boxing and I played basketball, but I was always doing the three and then I, I gave up football and I'm always w- wondering if I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. It's always one of those things, but whatever no, it, it is. What it is. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think looking back on my time, I should have been invested in basketball in the spring and summer played football during the fall and then obviously when you hit basketball but i was not skilled enough and i just didn't have time to get in the gym i mean you have baseball practice you have homework your gas like if that time could have been an hour getting jump shots and working on ball handling up i think that it could have been beneficial but having that four or five month break with football where you're working on different things and you're just taking a step away because it's mentally and physically fatiguing just to do that all the time um I agree with you, man. I think, but if you're doing three, it's tough to be able to wrap out one thing and be really great at that one thing. Unless you're Austin Bull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you get the, the, the gym, the, 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 the golden gym, the hidden gym right yeah. there. That, you know, the, what would you call that? A, uh, a unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. We'll put it there. I was going to say a genetic freak, but what? Well, yeah. The unicorn. Yeah. Great. Um, you did, you did reference in your coaching career as you started. uh, So you, you were playing as a, as a walk-on at Idaho Mm -hmm. state and then decided, you know, you kind of got into it. You're like, you got interested that started kind of like getting the flame going for coaching. Like this would be a kind of a cool opportunity for me to go up to the university of Idaho. For those who are listening that are outside of the state of Idaho, um, Idaho state is Eastern Idaho. What you call it? Mm -hmm. Eastern Idaho. Yeah. Pocatello. Right. So. Idaho is very Northern area. So it's, it's quite a ways away, but yeah, university of Idaho and Idaho state, 
very separate parts of the state of Idaho, but um, just for logistics sake. So anybody wants to kind of like think of that. Um, anyways, you go up to the University of Idaho and you mentioned you were a student assistant. I, I'm curious, though, Andy, not knowing anything about this particular aspect of it, how mm -hmm. you were able to even, you know, you go to a new school and then how did you not only go to a new school, but get into that work where you were you networking did you know somebody how did you go sure. about like maybe some advice for somebody who's in a similar situation like well that would be yeah. interesting for me like any advice on someone trying to get into that field because it's probably sure. not the easiest thing to do it's i mean with idaho state i was really this is going to sound really crappy because it wasn't like it's not what i mean but when my first year our coach got fired after he stepped away after 12 games which sucked but it was good for me because he stepped away. The assistant took over and it was completely different. And then they didn't retain that guy. So then I got three division one coaches in two years of oh, completely wow. different like concepts and philosophies and to learn from. Um, but when I was done at Idaho state, which I wasn't good enough to play there, I wasn't athletic enough. And I, and I didn't have the skill set not being an athlete to be good enough to play there. Um, when I talked to the head coach, I was like, Hey, I'm going to transfer to Idaho. And they initially thought I wanted to play ball. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I want to like just get on the staff and start helping and, and learn the game even more. I, I think I want to be a coach. And so um, they made a call for me up to Idaho. And then an Idaho assistant called me and he like, I think he thought that I wanted to be a walk on. I was like, no, no, no. Like I want to be a student assistant. <laughs> like I know I'm not good enough. Like, cause the amount of time you're putting in to be a basketball player at that level, man, like, you get two weeks off. Like it's every single day, summer school too. So I kind of wanted to be a kid and just kind of get a college experience. So I'll be honest, like when I got up there, like I was helping, like I was filming, I was at practice, but I wasn't like in the trenches the first few years, like after the games, breaking down film. Um, my last year I was like, all right, like I'm going to, you know, I need to take this a little more seriously. So then I would do that stuff. I would get involved with watching how they, their day-to-day -day operations of, you know, scheduling and practice plans and, and film work and scouting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that was really, really advantageous just to see how they did all that and, you know, being at practice, but understanding like, okay, this is why they're doing that at practice now um, really helped me a ton. But yeah, it was just, you know, those connections at Idaho State they made a phone call. All those guys know each other. So it was just one phone call away. And luckily they were, they let me get involved and um, it, it was a good experience up there for sure. I think that's cool. It's just like a, a pointer right there. I think for anybody in life for that matter, this happens to be in the sports world, but connections mm -hmm. are huge and having good mm -hmm. relationships with those connections, not built, not burning any bridges and keeping a, it's for the most part, a cordial or positive relationship with most people is a pretty important aspect in yeah. all of life. So obviously that, was probably good for you even at a young age as a as a college athlete then you know going to just continue to yeah. be a student and whatnot it's it's just important to have those connections because yeah your your staff kind of made made the, yeah. the bump for you and that can help in any mm -hmm. in any business that you never know when you need might need a referral or something and someone can give a little call for you or sign a letter of recommendation or whatever it may be right yeah um, yeah that that's cool man so you're you're finishing up at idaho learning mm -hmm. all those little things that you just mentioned the the ins and outs kind of the stuff that the average person doesn't see, especially yeah. from the coaching staff and just have it, how you run a program from there. What were the next steps? Did you know, sure. like, did, did you want to go like away from home? Did you want to stay in Idaho? It's because at this mm -hmm. point you've always been here, whether it was Idaho state, Idaho, obviously you grew up in the treasure Valley, which is in the Boise area. Yeah. 
but did you want to get away? And what ended up happening from there? Yeah. So I graduated with a degree in journalism, which I haven't used a single second since I left. Um, and I was kind of just waiting to see like what would happen. I knew I wanted to coach. I was in contact, honestly, with Treasure Valley Community College. And then my one of the assistants at Idaho, Kirk Earlywine, who I had kind of developed a good relationship with more so, you know, with head coaches in division one, like they only have so much time. So like very rarely, like in coach Verland was a great guy, but like we didn't talk, you know, a ton. It was mostly like coachy, like we, we were, you know, in the room talking about stuff and I was asking him questions and um, he called me one day and he just, he's like, Hey, like I got hit up by a prep school in North Carolina. Um, I know you want to get into this. I think it would be a good opportunity. They run scouting camps across the country as well. Uh, are you any, are you interested at all? And I was like, yeah, of course. So I went out to North Carolina. The school is called Washington Academy. Uh, it was a post-grad prep school and I interviewed for the job and I got it. So I went out there for a year and I coached at Washington Academy, which we had two teams, um, based of kids from, I'm telling you, like Florida, Seattle, Tacoma, Texas, North Carolina, California. Northern and Southern California, like we had kids from all over and they came to this prep school and they played at the prep school and we played like, we played like a 30 game schedule. Um, and we were fortunate, like we were, we were pretty, like we had talent. Uh, it was kind of a, I'll be honest, like prep school is an interesting deal. Like there are a lot of those prop up prep schools that are kind of dysfunctional and we were kind of dysfunctional. Uh, just the, the top end of it was, it was interesting, but we played teams like, word of God, where John Wall went to prep school. And uh, we went to Oak Hill Academy twice and played against Oak Hill. And that was very like the highest of levels of like NBA players when guys committed to Kansas and Georgetown and such. So um, playing on that circuit was really, really interesting just to see like how the East Coast works and how this prep school deal works. And then I worked as a like I ran, helped run camps across the country for a thing called Scouts Focus. And so it's just like a scouting service where you go to satellite camps and you run these camps for two or three days and kids get film and they get evaluated. And then we send it out to, you know, division one, division two, division three coaches and AI. And so like I would fly on a Thursday night to Philadelphia and run a camp with 300 kids and coaches in Philadelphia and then Sunday come back and then, the next weekend you're in, you're at Brewster Academy up in uh, like Connecticut, I think right on the border of New York and you're running one there and you're just connecting with coaches from different areas. Uh, Division one can't, coaches can't work at those, but uh, D2, D3, NAI coaches, JUCO coaches can. So met a lot of coaches through that. I ran a lot of camps in various Georgia, Orlando. So that was actually pretty cool for a young guy to just, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> kind of just <laughs> thrown into the fire, figuring out like how to run events and um, get to know kids and get to know other coaches. But it was a it was a good year of just getting outside of my comfort zone, coaching out there. Um, and then I knew I wanted to get back over here. The Treasure Valley, by the way, if anyone didn't know, is really nice. And you don't need more people moving over <laughs> here. You're, you're promoting too many people coming over. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, North Carolina was fun. Greenville, North Carolina. But I was like, you know, I, I miss Boise. So I moved back. I got in with uh, Idaho Select, Select Basketball. 
Uh, I was just playing at the YMCA one day and Clint Hordeman was in there and I was like, Hey, like <laughs> I want, like, I don't know how it got brought up, but I was like, I'm looking to get into coaching. And he approached me and we went and had dinner and he invited me to get on their staff. And then from there, um, that's when Colby Blaine and I, Colby, actually, my dad, I've known Colby. I was Colby's ball boy in like eight, when I was like a third grader, my dad coached Colby in eighth grade at North junior high. So like my brother and I were the ball boys for his team. And he taught with Colby's dad at North, but Colby was coaching select and C of I had just lost two or three of their assistants. And Colby was the assistant to Scott Garson at the time. And he's like, I think it was just on like a bus ride to Anaheim or somewhere where he was like, Hey, like, would you have any interest coaching with us at C of I? And I was like, yeah, of course. And that's kind of how it just, I met with Garson and, that's when I got onto the C of I staff for a year after North Carolina. So, Whoa, dude. So there's a lot to unpack there after college, (laughs) college ends. Like it was kind of just like a boom, 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 boom. A lot happening in your life. I don't think, I mean, when you go over it pretty briefly within a five minute window, I mean, I'm sure being in the middle of it, it probably didn't seem like it was flying by all the time. There's probably a million things happening. Uh And like you said, you kind of got thrown to the fires, like deep into the pool. You're going to have to learn to swim. And you did. Yeah. Obviously, it all worked, and you come back, and you have those connections. Again, I'm going to emphasize sure. connections. A third grade ball boy, you know, I think of, <laughs> just yeah. just keep that in mind. I want people to hear that. It's kind of cool. I love Colby, by the yeah. way. Like, he's one of my my favorite guests I've ever had on the show. Actually, he's just mm-hmm. such, such a good dude. So it's kind of cool to hear the the connections that you guys have had there, and love the Hordemans yeah. as well. Everyone over at Select Basketball, known them for uh-huh. years, which is kind of cool yep. because Clint and Vince's mother actually was my sixth grade PE teacher. So like there's a, everybody around the Valley is like, yeah, gotcha. there's just always a, a connection somewhere. So I, I just, it's cool. You're throwing out these names. And I was like, dude, it's funny because I, I know all these people. So they're all good dudes and yourself. Yeah. Really, it's kind of cool to see how everybody was able to connect. Um, the prep school thing I wanted to just briefly touch base on. Sure. That's a mm-hmm. probably a conversation that could be a full podcast in and of itself, but it could um, be. <laughs> People are, people are confused around here. And so I thought I'd just answer a question on this. Uh, there's a local uh, kid who who's now going to a prep school. His name is Brody Robery. Uh, yeah. Brody decided to go to a prep school after. And people are like, what is that? Is that is that a, is that a college? And people are kind of confused. And I think uh, Bergerson's boy did as well. Went to mm-hmm. a, a year of prep. Link year. It was like, yeah, yeah. it was. It was some, so w- talk to us about just briefly. What is a prep school for those who truly don't fully understand what it is is it college yeah or is it another is it considered high school because you're talking about playing these high school like oak hill sure. academies and stuff so they're older kids or they're not older kids are they playing the college level or are yeah. they playing at the high school level yeah it's basically a gap year so like if you go to a if you prep which i don't like know the exact term of like how it stands but if you prep for a year after high school you're preserving a year of eligibility for yourself with college because you're not enrolled into college yet so like Brody's going to go to that prep school, which that prep school is actually a good prep school and they're going to get a ton of exposure and he's just going to prep for a year. I would assume I haven't talked with him about this. And then it's just kind of buying him a year for more schools that can see him and for Brody to work on his game. Um, Cause I'm sure academically he's fine. Some kids go to prep school to work on their academics, but a lot just want like certain kids are like, you know, I need to work on my body. I need to gain 25 pounds and I want to be in the gym. So I'm going to take this year to just really refine myself and get exposure. Then I'll make the jump to college. So you're just buying yourself some more time, um, which is really how it works. Now there are 
prep schools that have high schools as well. Like Drew Fielder is going to Linkier Prep. They just started a high school at Linkier. So he'll be going to the high school there as well. Um, But they also have a prep team, which is a graduated high school group. So it's a very like there aren't a lot of prep schools on the West Coast. Obviously, Idaho has none. But um, it's a good opportunity if you're in the right spot with people that are connected. You're getting exposure and you're with people that are like making sure that you're going and working every day on your game and dieting the right way and going to tournaments on the weekends where you're going to play in front of the right coaches. So, so yeah. in that, that's actually really insightful. Um, my question then to follow on that is, so I guess some people have asked me too, cause they assume that I knew and I didn't mm-hmm. the difference between that and just going to a Juco. I mean, I assume it's just because you get an additional year of, eligibility because yeah. a juco starts your your clock in my yep. uh, thought so yeah is there like would you recommend kids go into a prep school or a junior college because uh, i i i mean that's kind of almost the same i mean a lot of kids don't sure. go to a d1 or d2 any, any of those they go to a juco mainly it might be grades or just to get some additional mm-hmm. exposure or learn the college game and then a year or two later they might get their their big offers but what's a better yeah. opportunity for these kids or is it all situational I think it's situational. I think like there are junior colleges where kids need that year just to be in a, I think it depends on where you're going. Like if you're going for the right reasons, then they're both good. I mean, a lot of kids go JUCO because of their grades a lot of times, or they just didn't get what they wanted out of high school. And, you know, you need to go where you're going to get coached up and where you're wanted. I mean, if a JUCO really wants you, and they have a quality coach, then you should probably go there and just put in that year or two years and then you'll move on because they're going to take care of you. I mean, the prep school thing is, it just comes down to, it obviously worked for Roberto's kid. You know, he's, he's had a ton of success playing. So it, it, it just depends on the situation. Like a lot of prep schools, at least from what I've been told, you're paying unless like they're really, really high end and they have a ton of sponsorships or Nike's pushing some money behind it or whoever. So like if you're paying for it at the prep school and you're going to Florida for a year and your parents aren't there to hold your hand, you better make sure you're going to the right place where they're going to help you and hold you accountable. Um, And a lot of times, a lot of kids get caught in places where maybe the top four kids at the prep school are taking advantage of it. And then you got 10 kids who paid a lot of money that are just sleeping until noon and dieting poorly. And then they just literally waste a year and a lot of money, you know? So it's a situational thing for sure. Um, which I obviously don't know Brody's situation at all. So I couldn't speak to that, but, um, you know, it goes, I mean, they're, they're different entities, but preserving the year is big for sure. Totally. I hope people are listening to this and taking notes because this is like that's more insight to it than I've ever actually had before. So I, I and I just figured sure. I'd take this opportunity to ask that question. You know, yeah. you're, you're referencing Andy the different. I mean, you're student assistant at a, at a big school like University of Idaho. You go over to a prep school. You're you're coaching over there. Then you're meeting all these coaches through the camps that you're doing. Then you come back mm-hmm. and you're at C of I, which um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's NAIA Division Two. Am I? Yep. Am I, okay. So NA, NAIA yep. Division Two is the, the, the division for, for basketball. That's the level of basketball, but it's a high level basketball program. Uh, The way that it's ran, it's like a very successful program. And for those who haven't heard my interview with Colby Blaine, go back and listen to that one. He was, he talks about the college of Idaho program and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't get a ton of like, everyone looks at it. Oh, it's not D one, but like they do 
that's a very high level basketball program for being yeah. an AIA. So it's really cool. I, I just wish people would like understand it. Like just because it's a division one title, it's awesome. I was crazy naive about college of Idaho. I mean, I remember one time Colby and I got into an argument about this is before I got all of them about like, like to me, it was just, I had the blinders on with division one, division one, division one. And when I got to C of I and coach Carson and Colby run, like they run it like a division one program, but like the, the players at that school are really, really good. And there's a ton of kids that could play division one at college of Idaho that are not there for a variety of reasons. Cause it's, it's tough to get recruited to play division one, but like people, I think get confused by like, Oh, it's NAI D2. Like they're a backup plan. And it's like, no, like they're, picking who they want to pick at a high level and, and those kids are getting big time scholarships and they're playing in front of you know how like college of idaho gets more fans than a lot of division one schools do at their games so um i was naive to that fact until i i got there and experienced it and it was really good for me to learn that because now i'm like hey man that's a really good level there's really really good players at that level so Oh, totally. And I'm glad you said that because I was about to say, hey, is there something that you learned there that you kind of answered that question right there? Like, yeah, I just yeah. wish people would see that. And, and it's the same concept when people argue about people who play overseas professionally compared to the NBA. Like very few mm -hmm. people actually play in the NBA. There's millions of basketball players across the world. There are some very, very talented basketball players playing overseas professionally, yeah. playing wherever. And, and I think that people just forget that because it's not the NBA. I'm like, listen, <laughs> a lot of that's also situational. You know, I can't always control. Yeah. Who's gonna... So I just... Yeah, College of Idaho is a very, very good program. You got some su success over there. You got some experience being on that staff, learning how they were running it like a D1 program. And what I was going to say, Andy, is you've, you, like, again, you've coached in different aspects. And then was it from College of Idaho that you got the gig at Middleton? What was the transition there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our season ended it at College of Idaho, which was really fun. It was Coach Carson's last year. And I think we won the regular season and the conference. And then we made the Final Four. and um, I was like, it, it, co coaching college is a grind. Like it's people don't understand like how hard it is to move up in the college world. Like you've got to really pay your dues and you're not getting paid a lot of money, um, to pay your dues. And there's more that comes to coaching college, especially at that level. than people realize like the laundry, the late nights, the 8am, 8pm practices, the, you know, you're on a bus for three straight weekends traveling, like and when I sat back and like really evaluated it, I want, like, I miss, this is going to sound crazy. This is like a little example, but like waking up on Saturday and going to the Saturday market or going to watch with my dad, my brother and my uncle are the Notre Dame game on Saturday. Like I didn't do that that year, which is just something that like you have to make sacrifices in your, in your life, but like to have a family and to live in certain areas i wanted to live in the valley i really liked the valley um and i just felt like the college business was really cutthroat with that and so when middleton and a few other jobs opened up i was like you know i i love basketball um it's like it's my obviously number one hobby and stuff but like being a college coach is a completely different realm of the amount of time you're giving compared to a high school coach even though we still spend a ton of time on it and so I just decided to make that jump and I applied for the Middleton job. Um, and I was very fortunate that I had some really good people in my corner and Andy Aintney, the AD at Middleton took a chance on me because he didn't have to, which I really appreciate him 
for doing that. And that's how I got that job. So. How old were you at that point? I want people to hear this. How old were you when the Middleton job came about? Because everyone's hearing your experience, but I want I want to hear mm-hmm. this piece because that might shed some light as to like how successful you are and wh- how much respect people have for you. When I got the job, I was 25. 25 years old over yep. at Middleton. Okay. Yep. That is what I wanted to share with people is because, yeah, like that's why people have respect for you. And when you say he took a chance on you, it's because he, he could see something in you. And that's what's been so intriguing about your story in particular. It's unique. There's, you're one of those hidden gems. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. Like you were like, okay, like one of these guys from the Valley that has this experience and you're here and you're, you're able to, to make things work. And it's obviously worked out. Like when you were at Middleton, the success you guys had, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, sure that school hadn't won anything for a while. I mean, okay, let me, let me, let me back up Middleton high school from when I was growing up. I don't even think they were four. A. I thought they were three a back in the day. I don't know. I could be wrong, but they were like very Mm -hmm. small school on the outskirts here, about 20 minutes away from like Meridian, 30 minutes from Boise kind of area. Like it's, it's within a bus right away, but everyone kind of just like looked at them as like a a small town. Well, the city of Middleton (laughs) has, has grown extensively. I mean, it's actually become one of the Mm -hmm. more popular spots in, in this area. Um, in the last five, 10 years. But for those listening, like Middleton didn't really have any respect. So like they've competed in football a little bit. Like you're starting to see some of their programs, mm-hmm. basketball starting to compete, but there was never any championships. Like it was sure. just always like, Oh yeah, they can compete. That's cool. But like, who's over there? They didn't really, they're not part of the big city. So they don't have a huge pool of people to choose from necessarily. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you go over there, man, and you flipped the script over there. Um, and, and not only that, you did so winning a state championship, First one since when? Uh, nineteen sixty-five, I think. Yeah, it yeah. was in the sixties. I could have sworn sixty-five. I think. Yeah. Yeah, first one, and and not only that, it was in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, so I want to, <laughs> I want to pick your brain because that was one of the coolest stories uh, that I've I've been able to see and and watch. Is not only did they get their first state title since the sixties, but it was mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic, and the support that that city had behind them when I was covering them at the state tournament. I was like, oh my, like I, I'd been, I went to one game. It was your guys' district championship against BK. Um, yeah. And then I, and I, I mean, I just love Middleton for, they have their own, they're their own rules, man. They just, they get to set, they get to set their own rules. Yeah. And I love it. I, I have a massive yeah. respect for that. So anyways, <laughs> they do their thing and it's awesome. And then yeah. at the state tournament, especially the state championship, I mean, the whole community was behind them. And that's what I loved about yeah. it. But I want to know. What was it like trying to coach this team? You guys had some high-level basketball players, high-level mm. talent there. You had the city behind you, some expectations, high expectations. In the middle of a pandemic, how did this year differ from the other years that you've had coaching? Um, it was just like we had worked super hard with – like when I got the Middleton job, like I, I sized the Middleton one up. Um, they had just joined 4A when I was in high school. and they always had talent and they always competed. Um, and they were just, you know, they were always right there and they could just kind of never get over that hump. And I was like, man, like, that's a good job. It's really under the radar, like you said, cause it's out there, but it's a good job with good talent. I knew that Tyler Robinette at the time was still there um, and he had two years. And so, which Tyler played select. So I, I'd coached Tyler and I knew how good he could be. And I was like, man, like, that's a good job. They're right there. Um, coach Maxwell and coach Karst actually had gotten into the state tournament six out of the last seven years before I got there. Maybe that's probably wrong, but it was around that time. Like 
those, those guys had some success too. And I was like, man, like I need to go get that job. So when we got it, it was like just building the mentality of like, dude, we're not Middleton. Like we're competing at a high level. Like we played Rocky mountain that summer. They'd be just like 25, but it was like, I want to get to that level. Like, and we're just telling the kids every day, like we're not like trying to just be good for Middleton. Like we want to be the best team in the state, like bar none. And it was just every day open gyms and all that stuff. Um, and our first year, like it was a grind, man. Like we were just grinding out wins. Um, and we won our state playing game and got into the state tournament and we, uh, had Preston down like 11 with like a minute to go in the third and we lost that game. Um, and then Columbia knocked us out. But like the only difference between the three years was just the, like, we had so much momentum built in. It sucked in the fact that like those crowds would have been the Middleton community really supports. And I feel bad for our kids in the fact that they missed out on the amount of people that would have been in the stands, like rooting them on all year. Um, because we were a point away our second year from winning it. I mean, we lost to Preston in the state semis, and I think everyone knew that we were the two best teams. Um, so we had a lot of momentum with a lot of guys coming back for our third year, and then COVID hit. And I'm just like, I felt sick to my stomach because I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and I knew that, like, it was going to be hard because winning championships are, are not easy. But – like if we don't get the opportunity to go win it, cause we were clearly like the number one team going into it, it would have sucked. And so we were just like, I mean, in class, the kids were sitting like in the corner against the wall, isolating from the rest of the class. This was all sports, but like uh, Andy and you got really creative with that type of stuff. Like at lunch, you're not sitting with other kids from like, even if they're your boys, like do not sit down with them. Like you're going to your car, you're going home. You're going to Coach Warnicky, our JV coach's classroom, isolating from everyone else just to make sure that we can have this season so we can get through this. Um, and it was tough. Like, you're finding your own way to bring energy and compete, which I give our kids a ton of credit because they consistently brought it. And we really didn't play great until, like, probably the second part of conference. Our two of our starters that both started the year before were injured the first month and a half of the year, Mary Foot and Cash Cowdery. So we were kind of just flipping pieces and trying to figure it out. And by the time that they had gotten kind of fully back, we didn't really hit our peak till probably that district championship, honestly. But it was just managing through a pandemic of just, we've just got to, like, we got to stay healthy, got to be healthy at the end of the year. And we got to make sure that these guys are taking care of their stuff off the court in terms of, like, staying out of COVID situations, as crazy as that sounds. So, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it speaks volumes to your players too. I think as a, I, I, mm. I, I can't even imagine like as a high school kid, you know, you want to hang out with your friends, you want to do all these things, but you have to make sacrifices at that age to like, if you, you know, buy all in on it to like say, Hey, yeah. Cause if one person goes down, it could literally like derail an entire scene. That was like the uncertainty that we all saw during the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, yeah. like every, every district handled it differently because, you know, while we all are in this like treasure Valley area, um, we uh -huh. have multiple school districts. So for those who are listening, like everyone has their own regulations on different things. And so it just, it kind of makes it tough. And Middleton, like I said, before I kind of alluded to it, they, they have a, like they're, they have their own rules. They do their own. Yeah. Thing. And then that's why yeah. people who live in Middleton love Middleton. Cause they're like, no, we, we make the rules here, which I respect. Yeah. I think it's awesome. But that doesn't mean that the opposing teams coming in, like they, 
they might be following a whole set of different rules when it comes to the regulations and, <laughs> and restrictions and all that stuff. So it's just different. It's just a different situation. But mm -hmm. being able to like navigate through all that and still be able to win a championship, I found it to be unbelievable. Like that's that is so much more. While you did miss out on the crowds, like the potential crowds, because yes, sure. Middleton's crowds could have been, dude. That's like that place is popping, dude. And yeah. so. Yep. It could have been much, much more, but I honestly think that when they look back and they talk about that with their grandkids one day, like those kids will be like, dude, we did something that's like dang near impossible. That's like super, super difficult sure. for anybody and yourself included as a coach. You've got to be like kind of playing babysitter and making sure they're doing their thing, hold them accountable. And you've got to also stay healthy and try to do your thing. So you're, you have to kind of lead by example the best you can. And that's yeah. probably very, very difficult. So I think it's super cool. I want everybody to know, like also Middleton, small community but their facility uh, when i went to the district mm -hmm. championship game that was actually my first time ever there um i ended up playing in a basketball tournament after that like, a couple months later like in in yep. there for a three-on-three tournament but i'd never been there before the sound system was phenomenal the student section was awesome the facility yep. was just super super cool like it's a newer um high school out there and um it, it was popping so anyways shout out middleton i never thought i'd say that my whole life i just kind of grew sure. up making fun of them and i know all my people my friends that are out there are gonna get mad at me for saying that but like shout out middleton they got some good stuff so for sure you you win the state championship you have this awesome ride but we had this new school being built and so middleton's mm -hmm. a 4a school we got a new school being built here in the treasure valley in in meridian idaho and it's another everyone keeps laughing it's another school right in meridian i mean there's like four schools within a five mile yeah. radius of each other. Um, and yeah. that's Rocky mountain Meridian Eagle. And now, uh, what's going to be Owyhee high school. Yeah. And you, you saw the schools get, being built. You knew you were going to kind of be moving over, over there. And so you were finishing strong at Middleton and mm -hmm. you're, you're going to Owyhee. You're going to be going to the five, a ranks top ranks in yeah. Idaho, as far as like classification is concerned, how we, how we do classifications here. So you're not new to changing things. That's the thing is I've, I didn't know any yeah. of your story really until today. And I'm listening. You're not new to changing. You're going in different levels of basketball and so forth. So I don't think mm -hmm. this is going to necessarily be anything that's intimidating to you, but I would say this, like even after having won a championship at Middleton, are there any things that like, is there anything that you're like trying to prepare for that you might not have seen at the 4A level? I, I, I doubt there is, but I'm just wondering from your perspective, is there anything that you're kind of like antsy for? Like, okay, I'm not exactly sure. Is the talent better? I don't even really know if that's true at this case, at this point. So I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's different. Like I'm just getting used to a different set of not rules, but like the West, how West data does their, you know, paperwork is different than Middleton. And we still haven't had, we still can't get into our gym. Like we still, we literally went entire summer practicing at star middle school. So, um, we still haven't been able to get into our gym. I know we're, that's in the next few weeks or so, but just figuring out those things is like, it's not, it's not like I'm worried about it. It's just an unknown, you know, it's not a comfort thing where when you drive up to Middleton, you know, where everything is right away, you walk right in. All right, boom. I, I need that. Okay. I got it. I know who I need to go talk to that type of thing. So just once we get settled in, it'll be, it'll be good. You know, I think. Like in terms of the talent, I'll be honest, like we beat Lake City last year without it, one of our starters. So um, from a talent standpoint, like Middleton was competing with the very best teams, 4A, 5A, 3A, it doesn't matter. But um, I think the difference between the 4A and 5A historically has just been the depth. I think there's just on 5A rosters with the amount of kids you got, there's your one through five can be fairly comparable, but when you get to six through 10, there's a there's a change in the amount of talent that those kids have and then i think from a league standpoint like 
the 10th place team in the 5A SIC is probably going to be typically more talented than the, you know, sixth place team in the 4A SIC, if that makes sense. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to some of our games, like going to Centennial, going to Bora, going to Mountain View, like all those in a row, going at Capitol, like those are games where I'm like, man, like this is going to be a lot of fun going into those gyms that growing up, I really didn't get to be involved with because I was at Bishop Kelly and we were 4A. So we were going to CUNA and Middleton and Emmett and Caldwell and those types of places rather than like playing in Bora was for the state tournament was freaking awesome. Um, so I'm just excited to get, get into that league. And there's so many good coaches in that league. There are in 4A too, but just getting that new challenge of coaching against guys that I haven't outside of summer really coached against, you know, um, that are obviously like very respected that have done it for a long time. So for sure. And you know, that's, I got to give a shout out to all of you. It's been a while. Like Idaho, typically speaking, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but like we don't have a lot of high level coaches that have come through the high school ranks here. Mm -hmm. We have had some, but like right now there's like a handful of them. There's like yourself. I mean, we've talked to Jeff Sainer. I've talked to Cody Pickett, but that's only Mm -hmm. the five. They've got tons of coaches right now that are actually very high level coaches, which is good for the kids. It's good for the development. It's great for the competition. Um, which is awesome. Like, that's what I think is so cool. We haven't really had that in Idaho growing up here my whole life. Like you don't see a ton of high level coaches. You might get one or two in the conference maybe. And now we're getting a handful, which is super exciting as a fan too. And somebody who's going to be covering it from a media perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stoked. I will ask you this. It's a brand new school. These kids nowadays, they play club ball. So like a lot of them either have competed together in a club scene or maybe they've competed against each other outside of just high school. So they're not unfamiliar with one another. I don't think, but when you're yeah. coming into a brand new school, the way it works is like it's kind of open enrollment for that matter because people they got to fill mm-hmm. the school outside of athletics. Forget athletics; they just got to fill the school. And so, like, yep. you're getting kids from all over. And I think even right now, I thought of why he had opened it up even cross uh, county boundaries at one point. Like, mm-hmm. if people from Canyon County wanted to sign and come over, they could if as so long sure. as they had transportation. So there was like a lot of people coming trying to fill the school. It's a new team. For uh, let's get back to the athletic side of things. Mm-hmm. you know, do you have any concerns with how the team will mesh? Because we, I did, I was like, you know, they're going to, they have a high level coach and yourself. These, t- these athletes are super talented, but can they mesh in their first year and actually compete for a title? And then I saw your summer tournament that you guys had the summer tournaments, I should say that you had during the month uh-huh. of June. And I was like, okay, they're going to be just fine. But I want to know if you have yeah. any concerns about that. Cause a lot of people wonder, can they mesh in their first year? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's always going to be a challenge, like just from a, like we literally haven't had an entire group practice together for a full two hours. So like our, the biggest thing I would say is like when things get really difficult, when adversity hits, like last year at Middleton, we had been able to go back to the year prior and the two years prior with losing the Preston at Bora and beating Bishop Kelly on the road. and whatever else where we can be like, no, no, no. Like we've been here before guys. We remember these times, like we're going to figure this out. And we haven't had those moments at a yet where we can, as a group, look at each other and be like, you know, when we're down 11 to Hillcrest in the state semis this year, I was like, guys, we've been here before the crowd's going crazy. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Like we know what we need to do. Whereas some of these younger guys, like they haven't had that experience. Um, of facing adversity together before. And it's something that you can't practice. Like you got to be in the moment and you honestly got to lose to learn from it sometimes. So that's the one big thing that we'll be facing, especially in year one is just 
the when adversity strikes, like how are we going to handle that type thing without being able to replicate it? You know, um, so yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that would just be the biggest thing where I'm like, you know, we got a lot of good players and we got a lot of really talented young players, but you can't put a price on being in front of four thousand people at Bora High School in a one possession game the entire game like you need those games to learn from so yeah yeah and, and i'm sure you know it's it's crazy certain kids have probably had different but they all have different experiences coming from different locations different grades they're from different age levels i think you guys have a freshman coming in like an incoming mm -hmm. freshman my understanding who's actually super talented i'm not sure if that is that correct because i thought you had a little yeah. guy stroke is that true or not Mac, yeah we've got we had four freshmen playing with our varsity this summer um we've got oh, a okay. ton of over half of our program will be freshmen this upcoming year, um, like for all three levels. But McKay and Saavedra is the kid you're talking about. He's a very good point guard, um, can really shoot it, handle it, really crafty. So, um, yeah, like it's going to be different, though, when, you know, you're playing against a senior from Rocky Mountain or Eagle or wherever, and they're picking you up in the full court and you've got to take care of the ball with three minutes to go, you know, or wh whatever the situation is. So. Totally. Um, you know, that's something that you just get with experience, which he doesn't have yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the exciting, it's kind of like where I'm anxious and excited to watch though. Cause like they're talented athletes and you need that experience. Like you said, and sure there will be peaks and valleys throughout the season, I'm sure. Um, and, and that's kind of, mm -hmm. and we all know that through sports, you learn that like peaks and valleys. If you didn't, if you, you know, they always say, if it's a flat line, you're dead. That's a heartbeat, right? A heartbeat yeah. goes like this. So you have to have that to stay alive. And so you learn from each one of them. You'd never want it to be flat. You want them, you yeah. want those highs and lows. So it's, it's part of the, it's just part of life. So that's going to be exciting to watch. Andy, I just want to know, like, sure. is there any, I mean, you probably don't want to like just highlight one or two kids, but for the sake of time, is there somebody we should be watching for? Um, even those who are outside of Idaho that sh we should keep an eye on as uh, who you're expecting to have a big season uh, that could do big things for you guys this year. Um, yeah. I think everyone knows about Jack, obviously. Um, we have a kid that's, that moved from California named Liam Campbell that will be a sophomore that's a 6'5 point guard that he already has a few Division One offers that um, I think that people are going to enjoy watching play. He's really high level, plays extremely hard. Um, but we have a lot of good guys. I mean, there's guys like Titus Bailey that kind of flow under the radar that are really good players. So I'm really looking forward to our group and um, you know, the biggest thing that we always tell our guys is just like, it, we never, and this was at Middleton too, like obviously the last year we thought we should win the championship, but we didn't really talk about winning the championship. It was more just, and I got this from Scott Garson. It's just, we want to play the best that we can play. And if that allows us to win what we want to win, then that's where you need to be. But can't worry about like circling, like this is our goal. Our goal is to be the best that we can be. So that's kind of what I always tell our guys is like, we just got to keep, if we play the best that we can play and we lose, well, you know, we did the best we could, you know, but not really focusing on, you know, the state championship or the district championship or winning twice at a certain school like that, that stuff we won't really talk about. I dig that. That's good insight for any coach for that matter as well. So that is a golden nugget that I'll probably snip here in just a little bit to make a promo out <laughs> of it because sure. that is genius. Um, you got a lot of media people, myself probably included. You'll probably hear social media things like, oh, well, check out Hawaii. They're going to have these expectations. The kids might hear the outside <laughs> noise, you know, but like 
I like that. So long as you're focusing on being the best that you guys can be, if you lose, t- hats off to them, right? Like you did everything yeah. you could, but if yeah. you're, you just want to make that goal. And typically speaking, if you have a good enough team and you play the best that you can play, if you're good enough, that's probably going to sure. be enough. But it just at that point that you just got to keep focusing on that. Um, as sure. we wrap it up, Andy, I'm like just talking to you. I'm like super stoked about this season. I was super stoked anyways about the season because there's some good talent yeah. around the valley here. It's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And things have opened up, you know, Drew Fielder moving from Rocky, you know, over to the prep school that we talked about earlier. Kind of like it was a shocker for me. I, I was like, oh, OK, uh, that just opened up yeah. some things in the, the 5A SIC. So anyways, I'm yeah. just excited about it. Um, but the last question I had, you've you've talked about, you know, coaching in the club scene. You've talked about coaching in the high mm-hmm. school scene as a coach at all different levels of basketball. Now your thoughts on club basketball, we talked before the interview, how, when I was in high school is 2006, when I graduated, we only had two clubs. One was select and one was Boise flight. And that was literally sure. it in the Valley. Now everyone's got a club, everyone plays. And I just want to know your thoughts on club basketball. And if it's good for kids and their development, um, if they're playing, do you think that a, a high school athlete, if they want to get a, to the next level of basketball, is it important for them to try to compete in, in the, in the club scene? Yeah, I mean, especially in Idaho, you have to compete on in the club because you're just college coaches are not going to come to Idaho to watch players play. Um, so if you want to get the exposure that you need, if you're a college basketball player, like I, I think it's kind of corny when coaches are like, oh, if you're good enough, they'll find you. It's like not not if you're in not if you're in Middleton, Idaho, like you need to like you have to we have to go play on the circuit to be able to get the exposure that we need in Idaho and Montana and Wyoming and wherever else. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of good clubs that just you need to play for a quality coach that is going to hold you accountable, that's going to teach you. And, um, you know, clubs not for everyone and certain clubs aren't for everyone. But I do think that club basketball is very important in terms of not only getting recruited, but also just developing as a player because. You know, there's kids that, um, like, even on my at Hawaii that maybe play for a different team that, like, they're playing a different role and learning how to play that role. And I think that that's a good thing to get out of your comfort zone and learn something new rather than this is your role all the time and this is who you're going to be. Like, it's good to get uncomfortable um, at times. So, you know, I think the club is a good thing. It's just a matter of, you know, what club you're playing in and is it is it, are they putting you in the right spots to be successful? And success is a really broad term. You don't have to be the man on your club team to be successful. So um, I just think you have to find that right fit and that right coach and that right program and make the most of it from there. But like we talked about, like you got to be able to play. If you want to be a college basketball player, you probably should be playing club. So um, especially in Idaho, but that's my two cents on that. That's, that's dope. I love that a lot. That's, that's super, super cool. And I hope those who are listening, if you're a parent or you're an athlete, you take notes. Cause that's just, sure. that's just important. you're hearing from a high level coach like Andy right now. I just, just take notes on that. I mean, everybody make their own decision, but you're hearing it from somebody who has experience at this level, um, mm-hmm. in both scenes and, and you kind of see how it works. So just learn from those who know what they're talking about. That's all I'm going to say right there. <laughs> to that. And, uh, the biggest thing you've learned, Andy, as we wrap it up, biggest thing you've learned in coaching, what would you say is like been the biggest aha in your your career as a coach? Not, not not as a player, but as a coach. When you went over and started as a student assistant at U of I and then moved on through your route, what's the biggest thing you've learned as a coach? Yeah, the big. I mean, the biggest thing for me has just been the fact that like so many people get caught up in X's and O's and 
like they think like basketball is so much more than X's and O's. I think the biggest thing for Cavs success is the relationship side of it. Like if you're, if you don't have a relationship with your kids, like it doesn't matter how good you are with your X's and O's at some point you're going to get got. So I think developing a relationship with your kids specifically off the court is the biggest thing. And that's, that's honestly why we should be doing it anyway. It's just most of these kids, almost all of them are not going to be playing professionally. So it's mentoring them to where they get, when they get out in the real world, they are going to be successful. Um, and you can't do that if you're just like, I think in the old, like, I don't know. I think at one point, like it was just, that's your coach. You just show up to practice, you do it and that's it. But I think with everything now, like you have to develop a relationship with these kids where you know what's going on on the weekends and you know that their background with their family life with their mom or their dad or whatever and be able to communicate with them because not all kids have a, like a stable background either. And that's why we're doing it. It's not for the wins and losses. They're awesome. And trust me, like no one hates losing more than I do, but at the end of the day, it's more about developing those relationships. So super important. And I appreciate that insight too, as a coach myself, new coach, I'm very new at coaching. Yeah. Um, that is important for me to know as well. So I hope all those who are coaches are now taking notes. Ladies and gentlemen, sure. Andy Harrington, he's the new head coach over to Waihee High School. And uh, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do, Andy. And I just want to say sure. thank you, like seriously, for taking the time to to chat with me. I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, and I'm just grateful because you've been super busy. I'm just grateful we yep. can find a little block of time to get you on here. But thank you so much, man. And we're looking forward to seeing you this year, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. And I'm hoping to see you over at Bam Jam over in Caldwell this in August. Oh, for sure. If I'm not competing, we're going to be there. We're trying to see if we, we, we missed the deadline as far as getting the team picked because we had three guys drop out, but we're seeing if sure. we can fill the team and get Vince to let us in late. If not, I'm going to be there either way. Cause I'm going to be covering it. Cause I just want to be sure. I love, I love basketball. Sure. So I'll see you. And yeah. uh, for all those who, who are listening, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. Like I said, let us know what you thought about the interview and share this with your friends and family. We'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.